And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Words mean things. Language can have a lasting influence on our thoughts and actions, as well as our perception and our memory. The poet Emily Dickinson once said, I know nothing in the world that has as much power as a word. Sometimes I write one, I look at it, and it begins to shine. So let's shine things up today with my friend and fellow word user, Melinda Kitto. Mel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. We're recording this podcast and we're kind of like on different days. For me, it's still Thursday. And for you, it's Friday since you're in Australia. Australia, the land down yeah. under. <laughs> and I can tell you it's a beautiful day. The sun's shining. So just so you know, tomorrow is going to be wonderful for you. Oh, well, I hope so. Uh, actually, I did hear tomorrow is going is going to be nice, but we're going to confuse people because, well, depending on when you're listening to this episode, but yes, it, it is sunny here too. I always like the sunshine. So we're going to talk about words, and this is a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. There was another thing I was going to do in the intro, the group, the Bee Gees, you remember them, they used to sing that song, it's only words. And what's all I have? Yes, you remember them. They had that strong vibrato, especially in the early days. But I'd like to know a little bit more about how words became important to you in your life and if they've always been something that you've looked at and been fascinated with. Yeah, um, it's not ever something that I put a whole lot of thought into. But, you know, when you look back over over your life and how you end up where you end up, words have always been something that I've been naturally good at. So I was always the person who my friends would be like, oh, this girl said something something to me, like, what should I say back? And I'm like, oh, well, you should, you should totally say this. Or, you know, when somebody wants you to write that firm but um, polite email to Betty in accounts to get her to pay the damn invoice already. Like I was always the person who could use words to, to get results or like, oh, maybe you should say it like this, like just helping people to come up with the right way to get their message across and the right way to say what they were really trying to say while taking into account how the other person might receive that. So yeah, it's, it's never something that I was like, words are important to me, but just a natural thing that I've always been able to kind of wield to my yes. advantage. Well, that's definitely a good thing in life. If you know how to use the right words, you can gain things. And it really, it's all about expressing ourselves in a way that other people can be affected and impacted by uh, what our words say. In terms of you know, what you do when you're helping someone to market their product, you need to show them what words that they need to use so that the right audience can react the right way. And what would the yes. right way be? Well, to buy their stuff, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, and it's not even to buy their stuff. So what I do in, as a whole is I, I work with people, like you said, who are trying to market their business and don't know how to articulate what they do, how they do it, why they do it, and why somebody should want to buy it. 
And so, of course, part of that is like, okay, well, how do we use words to entice that person to buy? But often that's not really the goal of the words in the first place. The the goal of the words is to what does that person need to hear to believe that what I have is something that they should pay attention to, to believe that my approach is the thing that they've been missing and to believe that they actually have the potential to achieve the results I'm talking about. Because if my words can help them feel those things and believe those things, then buying is a natural consequence of that. So it's often like not what words do I use to make them like whip out their credit card, but what words do I need to use to help them believe that that's the best choice? You know, there's words that we can use, and I call these words implied relationship words. So when you Mm -hmm. use a word like share, now, if I say, for example, if I'm doing a webinar of some sort and I say, okay, ask the questions in the chat, it's a different impact if I say share the questions in the chat. Mm -hmm. Because when I say the word share, it implies that there's a relationship. When I start my presentations by saying, today, I'm going to take you on a journey as we explore So I've done two things, take you on a journey and explore. So who do you go exploring with? Usually people that you know. And Mm. if you're exploring somewhere, it also implies there's a leader and there's a follower. Mm -hmm. And as I, I lead them on the journey as we explore. So those are things that really help to imply relationships and they're really subtle. And most Mm. people will not pick that up. And those are the cool things that I like to do, I've learned them and I call them my Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> it's always nice to have a few of those in your back pocket. <laughs> yes, it is. So tell me about, uh, you had some kind of renewing in your business where, you know, you went in one direction and then kind of decided that, no, I need to go back to what I was doing originally. Tell us a little bit about that story. Cause I think words and knowing how to be authentic and present ourselves in a, an authentic way was, is so important when we use the right words. I think one of the core values in my business is just being able to be myself and not trying to put on any kind of front or not trying to be somebody that I'm not. And that's that's usually one of the first compliments that I get when people watch my content. They're like, oh, wow, you seem so real. And I'm like, yes, because I am a real human. When I was first starting my business, I didn't know what I was doing. Like none of us know what we're doing. We're just um, throwing the metaphorical spaghetti at the wall and and seeing what sticks. And, And I think at that point in my business, I was just, I didn't know what was going to work. So I was like, I'm just gonna show up and be myself. And I'm silly and sarcastic. And I have I'm I think I'm hilarious. So <laughs> I was just leaning into those things that felt natural to me. That often meant that I would come up with kind of quirky ideas to, well, quirky ways to present my ideas that that didn't really fit the mold of what a good internet marketing girl should do. But I was like, oh, well, it just feels like (laughs) that feels fun to me. And so one example of this was uh, when I was first launching my signature program. Look, I'm, I'm a terrible procrastinator and I had wanted to launch this program for the longest time. And I set a deadline in my head that I'm going to launch this program right before I was due to fly to New York for a program that I was doing. I was like, I'm going to launch it right before New York. I'm going to go and spend a week in New York, come back, and then I'll be ready to actually start facilitating the program. Perfect. 
But I had that deadline in my head and I procrastinated the crap out of it. <laughs> it's like, Love it. you know, oh, one month left. Oh, three. Oh, crap. There's only two weeks left before I'm meant to go to New York. Now, the easy cop-out option for me, which I could have done, would be to say, oh, look, I've run out of time. I better push it back and I'll, I'll launch it when I come back. But I also knew in my head that if I pushed it back anymore, like if I tried to push it back by a month, it would end up being another six months. Like I just know how my, my brain works. So I was like, no, you know what? I've, I've got to launch it. So that left me in this situation of like, okay, now I've got to pull a launch out of my ass in two weeks. And wow. <laughs> how, the, how the hell am I going to, am I going to do this? And, you know, there's something, okay, I can do this. I can do this. But there was this big thorn in my shoe of going, ah, oh, but I do need to have a sales page. And I'm like, I don't have time to do a proper sales page. Like this is going to be the most ugliest, thrown together, awful looking sales page. Uh, but I just don't have time to do anything that looks pretty or, or put together. And that was a real problem for me. And it was hanging over my head. The good part of my procrastination kicks in, which is where all my great ideas come from at the last last minute. I was like, well, hang on a minute. If this page is going to be ugly, why don't I lean into that fact? Why don't I deliberately make it as ugly as possible and use that to prove my point? Because the whole point of my program is when you nail your messaging, when you know how to communicate the value of what you do in a way that makes people want it, in a way that makes people say, oh my God, I need that. That's what sells. So forget a fancy funnel, forget, um, you know, your 10 piece email sequence, forget uh, like a beautiful sales page. If you don't know how to talk about what you do in the right way, then it's never going to sell. So I was like, well, this is a perfect opportunity. If my page is going to be ugly anyway, why don't I use that to say, look how ugly this page is. It's not finished. The colors clash. Like this is the ugliest, like the headline was literally, this is the worst sales page you'll ever see. Oh, that's but genius. I, well, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was either like, this is either going to be a stroke of marketing genius or it's going to be a complete failure. But the whole copy was like, can you see how even though this page is ugly, you still want to buy this because it's my messaging that's doing the work. And so let's help you to have your messaging do the, like be as powerful. I love that sales page. Everyone who saw it loved it. I would get like, who compliments someone on a sales page? Like I would get people constantly saying, oh my gosh, that page was hilarious because I had some some of my dumb little jokes in there as well. And it stuck in people's mind and it and it did convert really well. So that I ended up being able to pull off my first five-figure launch in that two-week, <laughs> pull it out of my, my, ass, my ass launch. So that was a real success. But then- Fast forward a little bit, I have this program, it's selling really well anytime I do a live launch. And I get to a point in my business where I'm like, you know what, it's time to start taking this a bit more seriously. I've got this program, it's selling well. I'm not a fan of the live launching shenanigans and and like they always feel like a real recipe for burnout for me personally. So I was like, you know, I want to get that dream of this evergreen funnel that sells my program while I'm asleep. And I wake up to the PayPal catching notifications in the morning. I was like, that's, that's the dream. I want to, I want to be able to just have this selling around the clock without me having to do, do anything for it. So it's time for me to build a, a proper funnel. And so as part of that, I invested a crap ton of money. I, I, it was 15 K Australian dollars 
into this program with experts who were exceptional at helping people build the exact kind of funnel that I wanted. And as part of that investment, I said to myself, look, all right, if you're going to, you've never spent this kind of money in your business before. If if you're going to make this investment, you need to do everything that they tell you to do. They're the experts. You got to just listen to them, lean into their support. Like you've got to get the most out of this investment. And in one of the early weeks, I submitted my ugly sales page for critique. Like, what's your feedback? What do you think about this page? Like, could this work in the funnel? And of course, they'd never seen anything like that because no one's so stupid to make a deliberately (laughs) ugly sales page except for me. And they didn't know what to tell me because like, this is so out of the box of what we teach. So we've got this template over here. This is what we teach. You're so far out of that box. I mean, it's good, but we can't really tell you that that's going to work. We know that ours works because we've got all these clients, all these testimonials, all this proven track record that our template works. We don't know if yours is going to work. So it's kind of up to you, but we know ours works. And I've made that promise to myself, right? Of, well, no, they, they know best. So I decided to it's time for my business to grow up and not be so silly anymore. And so I went to this pretty version of of the sales page. And look, the messaging's all still good and probably better than what most people would would put together on a sales page, but I just never loved it. And look, I, I've sat with that page now for, it's, it's been about three years that I've, I've had that page and I was never excited to send people to it. Nobody ever messaged me and went, wow, I loved your sales page like they used to. And it was only just recently when I realized, like, I just completely lost myself in that decision. Like I was trying to do things properly. I was trying to grow up in my business, but along the way, I actually just let go of the things that make me, me. So yeah, just just a couple of weeks ago, I decided to revive my old ugly sales page and, you know, freshen it up. And it's just like the power of words, right? When I was able to actually connect back in with the version of me that felt the most me and and how that was expressed through this sales page, I'm like, ah, like it was so easy to rewrite the copy. I was excited to share it again. Just being able to lean into the things that make you unique. It's really difficult because you're worried about what people will think or how it'll be received. But the energy shift that I felt just going back to actually what feels true and best for me, like that's worth its weight in gold. I don't even care if it converts as well or better. It's just, this feels so right. And so that's, that's got to be the right path. That's got to be the right part. I totally love that. I mean, one of the things that I recently talked about is Something that I learned from, of all places, FBI hostage negotiators. And that is, if you want to be 30% better at anything, go into it with a playful, let's see what happens attitude. And that's exactly what you were doing. And to have you change that, it just Mm. didn't feel right. Like you said, you never loved it. And you felt that you lost yourself. You weren't Mm. being that playful Mel that we see now when I watch your YouTube videos you know here's this girl who's playful should yeah. I say girl or should I say woman <laughs> whatever you like I just say dickhead like <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love this dickhead doing now 
that's how I am with my friends yes. and with my family. And that's, that is what my clients will get of me when yes. they come into my coaching containers. So I've never really ever wanted to put on a front and, you know, like I can be a little bit sweary sometimes, but I've always sort of said, there will be some people that hate that. Yes. And if they hate it, it's best that they see that on the front end and give me a troll message or unfollow me or whatever. Because otherwise they'll only be disappointed when they come into my space and get an even fuller version of me yeah, when, exactly. I'm, when I'm really just hanging out. If you go in and, and you're playing the part of this business coach or you know, you're trying to step out and be this corporate person, then you're not going to attract the people that are your peeps. Uh, as mm -hmm. we say here, you yeah. want to attract people that are going to enjoy working with you. So go out there, be yourself, or as you become yourself and show your true authentic self, your words are really who you are. And exactly. like you said earlier, if your messaging is right, if you're giving the right message and the right people and they're resonating with what you're saying, then you're going to make the sales anyway. You're going to connect with those people. And in the same way, when you go out in the world and you're meeting people, I'm a very social person. I'll tell you a story. I was just up in Toronto a few days ago. I, I'm a big New York Yankees fan. And mm -hmm. the Yankees were playing the Blue Jays in Toronto. So we're checking into this hotel. Again, I'm from Rochester, New York, which isn't too far from Toronto, but it's far enough. I mean, I'm still in a foreign country. So I'm <laughs> I turn I turn around and what a culture shock, huh? <laughs> yes. There's there's a guy next to me who I went to school with. And I've known him, you know, since we were in high school and he also lived in a similar neighborhood and he was also a member of the law enforcement community. I was an investigator. So, you know, it's like I've known him for years, hadn't seen him in probably a good maybe 10 years plus. I turn over and we see each other. We start having this conversation <laughs> and it's like of all places, here I am and traveling in a foreign country and I meet somebody that I know. And yeah. I have that experience just about all the time because I'm just one of those people. I've been called the mayor because I'm one of those high extroverted people who can just walk up to total strangers and start having a conversation with them. But that's me. If I tried to change that, you know, I, w I wouldn't be Tony. And yeah. it's the same way online. Although it is funny because and this is where I'm getting at all this. When I'm with somebody in person, I have no problem with that. When I'm standing up in front of an audience in person, I used to teach investigators and you want to talk about a difficult group to teach <laughs> it's a bunch of stuffy investigators. It's probably, probably almost as difficult to teach as a bunch of accountants in a boardroom <laughs> somewhere, but I'd be up there teaching and I would just be myself. And you know, some of them, maybe they didn't resonate as well with me, but most of them did. And the ones who did, uh, you know, they got me. And when I, made the transition into becoming a speaker, a teacher and coach. It's the same way. I wanted to be with the people that I uh, resonate well with. So I want to go back to saying when you were a procrastinator, because I also have a t-shirt that says procrastinators unite tomorrow. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> have you been able to use that? Is this the old, th I'll bet this is not the only time that you've used procrastination to your oh. advantage. Oh no, this is my life. Like that's, that's the story of my childhood of like, oh, the assignment is due. <laughs> you got to submit it at midnight. Well, it's 1158. I should probably start working on it. So I've always been a last minute. I was, about, I was about to say last minute legend. Not that I've ever used that phrase in my life, but I, I do put things off and it's not a great habit, but 
the it's the um push pull of, of it actually works but it doesn't work for me because what happens when I do leave things to the last minute and I have to cram that is when my magic brain kicks in and I I can produce ideas and content and whatever that I never would have been able to produce had I started the assignment when it was first handed out. So that's great because I, I unlock this extra um, side of my brain where all this magic seems to come from. So that's fantastic. But then the flip side of that is the stress and the agony and the like the turmoil that goes on in the month leading up to it where I'm like, I should be working on that. You know, I don't leave it to the last minute again. So it's like there's that push pull of, it's great because it unlocks this side of my brain, but this agony of like, it would be really great if my brain could unlock earlier so that I don't have to go through the stress and turmoil. But but maybe that's the the combination that actually gets the best out of me. It's not fun, it's, but it, it, it it's does that work. secret sauce. It's the bad, yeah. magic sauce that you use. Now, were you always like this? And also, were you uh, always good in having discussions with people and in talking in front of people and things like that? Is that something that came natural to you as a child? Yeah, yeah. Like I've always always been last minute. That's just been my my yep. <laughs> human design from the beginning. And I have been an like I do, I have always felt comfortable with public speaking and presenting and all that kind of thing. Like I, I, I grew up as a as a dancer and performer, and so I was on stage a lot. And you know, I I was in leadership roles through throughout my high school years. So yeah, being able to speak publicly has never been a, a concern for me. But of course, well, you know, we go through our many of us, not all of us, go through our corporate phase as well, where we uh, feel like we need to show up in a in a certain way and. Um, that was actually one of the f- most freeing things when I finally went into business for myself was seeing examples of other entrepreneurs. There's one in particular, Denise Duffield-Thomas, who is a um, very well-known Australian entrepreneur uh, who works in money mindset. And she was one of the first, particularly women entrepreneurs, who she sounded exactly like me. She's got my accent and she would hit live and she would just have a conversation as though she was talking to friends, but she would have a thousand people on, on the live stream. And, you know, she'd drop, drop an occasional swear word in there as well. And she was the first example of someone who I saw who was completely themselves. And I was like, oh, are we allowed to do that? Like, are we, we don't have to, like, throughout my corporate career, I had been putting on a show. I had been, yes, happy to speak publicly, but I put my corporate voice on and I shoved uh, words like synergy and things like that into my presentations because that's what we're meant to do. And so going into business for myself was great on the one hand, but then particularly when I saw examples like Denise, I was like, wow, like we're actually allowed to just talk like we talk and be who we are. And not only is that okay, but that's what will actually get us the best results in terms of connection, in terms of audience building and in terms of um, sales, ultimately. That's amazing. Yeah, and we're allowed to be ourselves and we're allowed to use our own words and the things yeah. that we say to get that message across to those people and not hold back. And again, not pretend that we're somebody else. We don't have to get into that little corporate mold and try to pretend that we're someone were not really you know i had a very similar experiences when i was in school growing up because i was never afraid to speak in public and i remember all the other kids in the class and tell me if you experienced this or not they were all terrified whenever mm-hmm. the teacher said 
we're going to give oral reports today. Yeah. You know, we have to, you have to stand in front of the class and write your essay and read your essay in front of the class or give your oral report. And I used to love it. And I was probably one of the only kids who did because it meant that I didn't have to do that much work. <laughs> now, what I used to do is literally I'd take a blank piece of paper that was supposed to be the essay that I wrote or my notes, depending on yeah. what the assignment was. And I stood up in front of the class and I would just speak on the topic for however many minutes I had to do. And mm -hmm. I'd walk down and that got me through most of school. Although one time there was a teacher who caught me and looked at me and said, Mr. Wexler, may I see your notes, please? And I handed them. Well, first I said, well, can I sit down and clean them up a little bit? They're a bit messy. Uh, my handwriting, you're not going to be able to read them. And he just held his hand out and gave me that look, that look that I knew that, uh oh, I'm in trouble. So I handed him the blank piece of paper. He looked at it and he says, just as I thought. And he handed it back to me. Well, when I got the grade, he gave me a B plus. And he said, I would have gotten an A if I would have done the actual assignment, which was to write the <laughs> report out. But uh, yeah, I was never that person. But I know there's people listening who are like listening to us going, ooh, I'm terrified to talk oh, in front absolutely. of a crowd. My, um, my kids are the same. They've, we're, we've got to write their presentations. They've, they've got a um, class speech that they have to do next week. And my oldest in particular he's in the camp of there is nothing worse than standing up and speaking in front of people. Um, and he will, he'll have anxiety about this, this whole week. He'll feel sick about it. And there'll be tears like this is just, it, it's absolutely not his thing at all. And I'm like, come on, it's great. Like, let's, let's, where can we slot some jokes in? Like, so this is like my dream homework scenario to be helping them with, but it's, you know what? Like I, I know it is, because isn't it one of the leading fears of of adults in the world is public speaking? Like I I I understand that that real difference. And whilst I haven't experienced that, I feel so grateful that that's something that I haven't struggled with. Look, and look, I always get nervous and I always have those jitters. And but I I guess it was just <laughs> groomed from an early age that this was just something that doesn't kill me and is actually kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. For a lot of people, it's one of the hardest things that they can possibly do. And I think that's where, like, I'm, I'm very conscious of that when I work with my clients, because some, like most people who come to me want a bit of structure and they want to know what are the perfect words to say. And so look, we do have copywriting templates and we do have structures and scripts and things to help, you know, create a little bit of structure. But one of the most important things for me to do as a coach is if somebody sends me an email or sends me a, a page or something that they've created is yes, looking for, is this compelling? Is this clear? Is it communicating what we want to communicate? But one of my biggest pieces of feedback usually is, but where are you? Where's your voice? You followed the template. You've shoved your words into that template, but you have evaporated from this page. So if we scrapped the template, what would you actually want to say instead? Oh, go, oh well, like, I, I kind of want to tell them this and, you know, I'm like, okay, so that, like, let's say that. The, the template is there to, it's like chat GPT, right? Like the template is there for that first draft or like, I don't even know where to start. So like, let's just get something down on the page. 
But the biggest challenge for people is actually allowing themselves to go, forget that. What do I actually want to say? What What's the message that I want to get across? Because I would much rather help somebody polish that version than yes. try to cram themselves into a script or a template because that's what they feel they should do. And that's exactly what I had done back in the day with that sales page is I was trying to cram my big personality and my weirdness and quirkiness into a perfect structure. And that just kills all the goodness of, of what you're trying to bring to the table. Yes. So that's what I try to undo for a lot of my clients as well. Yeah. You're exactly right though. It does. It kills all the goodness and it kills the connection because when people read those words, especially if it's a written word, that's when they connect. And one of the reasons I brought up a little bit of poetry in the beginning was, you know, a good poet knows how to write words that connect deeply. A good mm-hmm. songwriter knows how to write words that connect with people. That's why most of the time we like those songs. I mean, we like the melodies, but I mean, have you, you remember the songs that you grew up listening to and some of those lyrics, you can, you still remember all the Mm -hmm. lyrics. You still remember the lyrics to some of the commercials and the ads that you used to listen to. You can recite that stuff for nothing. I mean, who can't recite, you know, some of the old TV show themes. And I grew up Mm -hmm. in a day when the TV show theme told you what the show was going to be about. I mean, think Mm -hmm. of like the Brady Bunch. You know, here's yeah. <laughs> the story of a lovely lady. You know, anyone can remember that. And okay, that's what the show is about. Now, sometimes not, but those things make a lasting impression on us. And when we want to make a lasting impression on someone else and and get that message across to them, it's so important that that we we do it in a way that it's it's going to make them feel connected. Isn't it like there's that phrase of people won't remember what you do, but they'll remember how you made them feel? Yes. I feel like it's very similar. Like they're not going to necessarily remember what you say, but they're going to remember how you make them feel. And I think like my natural genius is when somebody is trying to get something out and I'm like, oh, why don't you just say it like this? And I'll just be able to spit out words that they're like, oh, shit, like that's exactly what I was trying to say. Only You're better than chat GPT then. (laughs) damn straight but a lot of people say how do you do that like how do you just come up with stuff like that and I honestly think that the real crux of where that comes from is empathy because I could have never worked in an industry and have no exposure to a particular ideal client but someone say yeah I'm trying to talk to this type of person and I just seem to have an innate ability to go okay so if I were that person what do I imagine my experience would be? What do I imagine I'd be struggling with or concerned with or afraid of? And so I think I think that's where the words ultimately come from is actually just I seem to have a knack for being able to put myself into the other person's shoes, imagining what life must look and feel like right now, then kind of work backwards from that and go, okay, so what does that person in that situation need to hear right now to first of all snap them out of their mindless scroll and make them feel something or make them realize that that I'm talking directly to them so yeah I think that's that that ability to just imagine and put myself in other people's shoes that's often where the best words come from because it's it's their words it's their language so that's something that I teach as well and that is the most important words that any human 
can hear are the words that just came out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I would teach a lot of the investigators because when I was teaching them, I was the investigator who used to be able to not only get the confession. So you want to talk about a hard sale, a confession, the most difficult sale you'll ever make a bad guy telling you that they did it and putting it down Mm -hmm. in writing and knowing that something bad is going to happen as a consequence of that. But not only did we get them to get the confession, we would get them to thank you for giving them the opportunity to give the confession. Mm -hmm. And I figured, so that was my magic in the world of investigations. So then when I translated that, one of the things that I used to tell them, and one of the things I even told the other investigators is use something called the echo technique. Mm -hmm. And what that would be, would be the echo back their words, but in such a way that, you know, it doesn't sound like you're mocking them, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're having a conversation. Let's play. We'll do this back. So what exactly are your plans today, Melinda? Uh, I have to, after I hang up the call, I have to go through all of my clients' work that they've submitted. So people submit their emails and website pages and I get to sit here and hit record on my video and tell them all the good stuff that they've done and all the stuff that I'm like, yeah, that's a bit rubbish. Get rid of that, cut that, add this and and give them feedback to make it sound really good. So you get to go through all the things that your clients submitted, go through, hit record and give them feedback to the things that they want to do. So what is the most interesting part about that? How quickly people take that feedback on and improve week after week. So they improve week after week because they quickly take on the feedback that you give them. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, really good. Like, cause it's, it's me transferring my brain, right? Like, cause I don't just say change this. I try to explain what, what my brain's doing to get to that result. And so it's, they, they seem to start thinking like Mel and So they start thinking like you. Yeah, exactly. And and you learn how to put their brain uh, or put your brain into them in a way. Exactly. And now if I can take what you're doing and flip it to how we would look at this with messaging. So you're doing this echoing in this live scenario. Yes. A lot of what I'm trying to do with people is anticipating what that conversation would be right because we're not in conversation with people all the time but we go okay so what would that conversation look like with this ideal client what would they be saying what would they be thinking and particularly it's great when our messaging can mirror their exact language but there's a a step even further because there's a layer that people say but there's a much deeper layer of what people think And so often we're trying to anticipate the silent conversation or the secret conversation that our ideal clients are having inside their head. Yes. And stepping into that conversation. Exactly. Because particularly for a lot of, like I, I work with people who sell a transformation. So they might be coaches or they might be done for you service providers or, you know, there's, there's a wide range. A lot of the times their clients are struggling with something and They might say certain things out loud, but there's probably a lot more that's going on in their head where there's um, shame attached to that struggle or embarrassment or a whole lot of fears. And they're the things that they might not necessarily say out loud. But if your messaging can anticipate what that secret conversation is and put that into words, you're often the first person that they've ever heard reflect their exact experience. Like, oh my gosh, I could have written that myself. Oh my gosh, how did you know? Do you have a camera in my office? Like 
that's when you know your messaging is really connecting when people have that kind of response like I can't believe how well you have articulated exactly what I'm going through that's how you know you've <laughs> so yes. you've got the, the live echoing or the anticipating of what the echo would be <laughs> right and you know they both have their own challenges but definitely anticipating that conversation that they're already having in their head so that's something that takes a lot of practice it also takes really knowing the person that you're communicating with you know, you might not know exactly what they'd say, but like, okay, but let's imagine if you were in that situation, how would that be making you feel? What would you be worried about? Like, it's just having a bit of empathy for what the person on the other end of the, of the screen might be experiencing and, you know, tapping into that and or joining that conversation. It's not about poking those pain points and going, yeah, 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 you're struggling with this. So you need to buy my thing, but it's about joining them understanding that that's where they are right now, joining them in that conversation and then showing them that there's a pathway out of that situation too. Yes. One of the things that I'm catching on to here in this discussion is you don't want to sit down and overthink it, which is why probably the procrastinating worked in your favor. Because when you sit down and you try to be the most clever, clever thing that you'll come up with, it won't work. I came up with a, with a great line that I thought was super clever. And I, I was using it in the beginning and I realized that it wasn't hitting people the right way, but I thought it was like totally brilliant. And that is, mm -hmm. you know, I help people to go from dreading Monday morning to living like every day is a Friday. Now I'll still use that because I think it's clever, but it's not really because some people say, what does it mean to live like every day is Friday? I still got to go to work on Friday, but that's the yeah. point is that you don't enjoy your job and yeah. you need to make a change because a lot of people in coaching, what their quote unquote avatar, and that's that fancy word that we use, but ideal client is usually the same person that we were mm -hmm. a ways back. And for me, what it was like, and that's when it became easy for me to do my messaging out there in the coaching realm of my business. Here I was the successful investigator. I was doing really well and had a good job. Most people thought, hey, you got a pretty cool job. And I was good at it, but there was something missing. Hmm. There was just something. And, you know, I wasn't excited. The excitement was gone. I knew there was something that there had to be more out there. Hmm. And that's how I stumbled upon what I, I'm doing now, because I yeah. looked at that. So being able to find those people out there who are and there are millions of people out there who are getting up and going to work every day and yeah. they're sitting in that traffic wishing they could just turn around or drive to the Bahamas or something, mm -hmm. get on a plane and, and fly somewhere and just get out of the rat race, as they say. But being able to articulate that and to get in that person's head, that's that's really, really an important part of communicating. And clever is often my nemesis the desire for people to be clever and sound clever and come up with clever catchphrases that like yeah this is my catchphrase this is my thing that often is getting in the way of your connection because you're trying so hard to be clever that you know the message just flies right over their head and they're like oh yeah good, good. sounds good like they hear the cleverness in it and go oh yeah cool but 
there's no meaning behind that. So often if, if you were to come to me and say, well, this is my catchphrase, I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like great catchphrase. But what are you actually trying to say? Like, what do you mean by that? What does that look like? Yes, for you? exactly. You know, I hear this all the time when people give me their fancy elevator pitch. Like, yeah, I work with uh, spiritual soul led um, business owners who want to um, reconnect with their authenticity and birth their uh, desires out into the world or whatever. <laughs> like, okay, so cool. What, is, what does that actually mean? <laughs> and always their second response would be like, oh yeah, I just really help people to connect with what they truly want out of life and, and help them bring that to life. Okay, cool. So just say that. Yeah. Why do we have to make it sound fancy or clever? Because you are losing people. Like you're getting the blank stares at the networking event as people go, okay, when can I back out of this conversation and go and find someone else to talk to? Whereas like if we can just actually, for the love of God, say what we mean, that's what actually allows people to hear it and go, oh, actually like, hey, I could use somebody like you or my sister really needs to speak to you. When you try to be clever, you are literally making it so hard for other people to realize what you actually do and whether they should, like, whether it means anything to them. What do you find is the biggest challenge of getting people to realize that? I mean, do you get resistance? Because I would imagine that these people would be thinking, yeah, but my thing is is really great, (laughs) but you're not making the sales. You know, that... That's where the resistance comes in because most people who I work with are brilliant at what they do. They are exceptional coaches. They are exceptional service providers. But their knowledge of how good they actually are is the barrier to them making that connection because they might be able to deliver such an incredible transformation and they're like, how can I possibly encapsulate just how powerful that transformation is into a one-liner quippy marketing statement? And my answer to that that is, you can't. So stop trying. You cannot capture the power of your work into one sentence because you know yourself it's too powerful. Let's stop trying to tie it into this neat little bow and instead let's forget your work because that's not what's at stake here. What's at stake here is what's going on for that person right now and what they're struggling with. And if I can let my ego go for a second and realize it's not about the 15 methodologies I've been trained in and the 35 certificates I have on the wall, it's about there's a person in front of me who's struggling with something and they can't see a path out. And so if you actually focus your messaging on like, I work with people who are feeling like they've hit that point in their life where everything looks fine on the surface, but inside they just don't feel like like there's something's missing and they they don't quite know what. And I help them figure out a pathway out of that. That's a terrible example. But the simplicity of that allows the person in front of me to go, oh, geez, that sounds like me, actually. Like that's exactly what I've been struggling with lately. The 15 certifications on my wall will come later. Messaging is just me making a connection with somebody, opening the door to a conversation for them to go, ah, oh, hey, that sounds like me or that sounds like, you know, if we can open up that door to a conversation, everything that they need to hear will come. You know, you'll have your opportunity to talk about your qualifications or talk about your approach. But the thing is, it's not about getting them to understand everything in the first 10 seconds. It's about, if you think of it like a novel, right? 
if you were reading a crime thriller and they told you in the first chapter exactly what happens, you don't read the rest of the book. But if we tease a little bit and we hint a little bit and we leave a cliffhanger at the end of this chapter, you want to know more. And so you ask me more. And I go, oh, okay, well, yeah, like it, this is something it's about this and it's about this. Oh, okay, cliffhanger, tell me more. Your connections and your communication with people and a buying relationship, if we think about it like a novel of like, okay, what's what do I put in that first chapter that creates intrigue, that pulls people in, that makes them realise, hey, this is the kind of story that I love, and we leave this little cliffhanger that makes them go, I have to, <laughs> I should be going to bed, but I have to read the next chapter then they are coming along this journey rather than you pinning them up against the corner saying like, you need to know everything about what I do because I think it could really help you. As I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying, you know, it totally resonates and it makes total sense. So there's two things I wanted to ask. I know you and I could probably sit and talk for like another hour about this stuff, but (laughs) those listening are probably going, well, okay, this has been a really good podcast, but uh, when are you going to get to the end? Because where's the cliffhanger? (laughs) Where's the cliffhanger? I'm sitting in my car. You know, I mean, I've done this. I'm sitting in my car listening to the podcast and I have to go to work. I have to leave the car now and you're still talking. So if people were interested in reaching out to you and finding out how they could get some help in crafting that message and work with you and you work their magic with them, how would they do that? Well, the best place that you can head to is melindakitto.com. It's K-I-T-T-O. That's my weird sounding surname. (laughs) So you can head to my website. But honestly, the best place to connect with me is uh, on Instagram. Like, please send me a DM. It's at melindakitto, same spelling. Like, let's just just reach out and say hello because that's often the hardest part for people. And I would naturally go straight to your bio and look at your little, you know, your little caption there or or whatever. And my natural instinct is like, oh, hey, cool. Like, it's interesting what you do. I'll I'll, like that conversation will evolve. But if if reaching out on DMs on Instagram is is a little bit scary or whatnot, or if you just want to see a bit more of what I do, uh, YouTube's definitely the place to go. Uh, that's how um, that's how you found me. Exactly. Um, I've got some some fun little uh, videos there, which will help you dig into your messaging a little bit more and, and hopefully give you some clarity. Yeah, I'd highly recommend checking out Melinda's YouTube video, some of the collection <laughs> there. Uh, you'll, you'll definitely be entertained and you'll take away some great value from that too, which is really what we're doing out there is putting out value so that uh, people can listen. So the other question that I ask, and this is something I ask all of my guests on the show, and it's the question, what does being purposely positive mean to you? I guess that just means realizing that it is actually a choice. There are good days and bad days, uh, but often our bad days not always, but that we are often choosing, like something bad happens. We stub our toe getting out of bed in the morning and we just decide that we've got the shits today. And then everything that follows is a result of that choice. And so you start to see everything through the lens of, well, today's just a horrible day, but it equally works in the opposite way that if you make the choice to see things through a more positive lens, you know, like, yes, you might still stub your toe, but then you'd be laughing about it with, with your kids as you, as you hop down the, down the hallway instead of like throwing things and deciding that that's, that's the end of, of what the day looks like. So I, th- I think being purposefully positive is just actually realizing that is, it is a choice and, you know, catching yourself in those moments when you might realize you're, you're choosing negative instead of positive. 
Beautiful. That's right to the point. And I would not have expected anything less from you, Mel. That was great. So this has been a fun conversation. And again, I hope people will reach out to you. And I would love to continue a conversation about this or something else at a later date sometime. Uh, that would be a blast. I have been known to have people on the, on the show more than once. So maybe in the future, oh, wow. that would be awesome. <laughs> That you're, you're teasing me now. I don't, that's not a confirmation that I'm locked in. It's like, well, maybe I might think about it one day. <laughs> you always got to leave them guessing. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's a cliffhanger. You're making me want more. <laughs> and you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there and you may be struggling. You may be trying to figure out what the heck do I want to do today? Well, you can download a free resource, a book called Strive to Thrive and start on a journey toward a purposely positive life. 